Okay. I am so confused. Is it winter? Is it spring? Maybe it's wing. Maybe it's sprinter. Really, we closed church Tuesday afternoon because we thought there would be ice and snow. And then on Saturday, I go for a long walk without a coat on. Last night, I'm freezing. This morning, I, I look in my closet and go, what, uh, what do I wear? What? It's confusing. It's an emotional roller coaster. And we want things to be predictable and to know spring has arrived and winter has gone. And we play this game of, well, this moment isn't quite right. Whatever's going on out there, it's not what I want. I want full spring, you know? I want all the, the trees to be blooming and all the grass to be green and for me to know that it's going to be 70 degrees today and I, exactly what to wear. And it's a game we play throughout our lives. We want that more perfect future that's here. I know it's not here. Because that's where I am and I can see all the imperfections in myself and you all and the weather and but over here hurry up come on spring and we miss we miss right now we miss here we detest this in-betweenness we want something ideal so If you could fill in the blank, what would your answer be of, when the weather is blank, then I'll be happy. Sunny. Not 70. 72 would be better. Okay, a few clouds, they're okay, but no rain. Certainly no sirens going off and half of the world going outside to see the green sky and the other half going, <laughs> it's time to get in the basement, it's time to get in the bathtub. Okay, so how would you feel in this? When I'm blank, married, not married, thin, put on a little more weight, 20, 60, 65, oh, some are waiting for 65, (laughs) or if I could go back to 65, (laughs) then I'll be happy, and we miss what's going on right now. And I've become less and less interested in philosophies and outlooks and religious traditions that talk about either or, that won't embrace the continuum, that won't acknowledge that really life is messy 
and we need to live in paradox and embrace that opposite things happen at the same time. Wing or sprinter, whatever it is out there that's happening. But I've, I've realized that we are such a binary society and live in this either or. And I catch myself all the time thinking I have an answer to something and not realizing, oh wait, there's a whole slew of things in between that might be useful. And it makes me think of, I'm not a scientist, but it makes me think of Schrodinger's cat, that thought experiment about quantum physics and whether a cat that's, wait, before I go on, I just want you to know, no animals will be harmed in this sermon. (laughs) But a cat is put in a closed box with a radioactive uh, vial and a hammer that's going to break it, and it has to do with whether an electron moves, and hence uh, that vial break, and you don't know from observing, it has to do with what an observer sees, whether the cat is alive or dead. Both and. That's Schrodinger's dilemma. The cat is both dead and alive. Because it's in our head. And then I started looking up, I started Googling other stuff and remembered that there is this uncertainty principle, Heisenberg's, I couldn't pull up the name, that talks about we, we can never know exactly where an electron or a particle even is. I mean, you think science is exacting, but they talk about a cloud of probability of where that electron might be. I thought, oh... That's what spring is. You are just a a cloud of maybe spring. Maybe winter. I'm not sure. And that's what life does. It's continually arising, dwelling, declining, arising, dwelling, declining. We're always in this continuum. And yet there are things in that continuum My ears perked up in seminary because I am prone to wanting to make sense of contradictory things. And I I felt like Christianity um, presented itself as if there were single, simple answers. And seminary taught me that that's actually not true. But my ears really perked up when I found out that there are theologians who talk about already, but not yet. That that principle is embedded in the Hebrew Bible and in Christianity. Already, but not yet. And what they're specifically talking about is what they would call the kingdom of God. And I've asked us to consider it as the kingdom of God, meaning God resides in our relationships and our interconnected web of life, whether you're a theologist or not. I mean, a theist or not. We're all theologians. Um, So, already, but not yet. And so what they mean is, the kingdom of God, the tools with which we are given to live life and survive, and thrive are already here, already, 
but actually not yet. And that has to do with their waiting for heaven or the Messiah to return. But if we put it in our language of this is the only life we get, then that kingdom we're looking for is when when the world is perfected because of the work we've done. Already? Got the tools for it? Not yet. Because it's hard. It's hard, hard work. So I was delighted to hear in seminary that Christianity and some of the theologians are paying close attention to this paradox. And it immediately made me think of the Chinese yin-yang symbol that everyone, I'm sure, knows. The circle that implies wholeness divided by a curved line. One side in the Chinese character stands for darkness, but in the middle of that black, almost a teardrop shape, is a circle of light, and the other side represents lightness with a circle of darkness. So they understand this paradox of already but not yet. In the darkness already is light. In the light is already darkness. And I also thought of in the Tibetan tradition, um, they have a word called bardo. I don't know if people are familiar with that term. Maybe some of you read Uh, a a recent experimental novel that came out a few years called Lincoln in the Bardo. Anybody read that? It's not an easy read, but it is. It's about Lincoln after his son dies, Todd dies, and the um, expansive time and experiences he has immediately following grieving in his son's spirit and all of the spirits who are in Bardo. It's kind of a Tibetan um, version of the afterlife. But it's one of those already not yet terms. And the Tibetans, it does come from the Tibetan Book of the Dead. That's how most Americans know of it. And it does refer to that Tibetan cosmology that involves an afterlife. But they also mean it for right now, already, this now. That bardos exist, that gaps exist, that there's winter, oh, we know what that looks like. And there's spring, we know what that looks like. And then there's this gap, this in-between afterlife of winter, before life of spring, and that bardos are everywhere, every breath. I don't immediately exhale, I inhale, and then there's a pause. There's a gap, a bardo. And we can use those moments to our advantage, because our tendency is to walk right on by them. And it actually helps slow life down. So it's about noticing all the in-betweens. I was a chaplain at Hillcrest. Most of you know it's critical training for becoming a minister is to be a chaplain. And 
the chaplaincy, I, my chaplaincy was at Hillcrest, and you are thrown into it, and you knock on strangers' doors and say, I'm the chaplain, and um, come in, and they've already determined, oh, you must be Christian, you must be whatever. They've, that word chaplain is already so loaded that they've imposed a, a notion upon you. So it's great practice. And just meeting someone where they are and listening to their story and comforting those who are around. So I experienced a lot of, of um, moments of death with a lot of families. But I was admonished by one nurse. There was a patient that I had seen more than once over my time being there. And it was very clear this person was dying and beloved by family. And I was there at that moment. And it was classic you know, the um, signals that let you know if the heart's beating. It was getting slower, and then finally there was that And we waited a moment, and the family was stunned. And I said, I am so sorry she has died. And it was the nurse who said, no, 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 no. That's only the heart that stopped beating. And that death is much broader. There is a huge bardo that we actually don't entirely know when death occurs. And the nurse said, people can still, still hear. Blood is still circulating. Don't be so quick. And I have ever since been much more thoughtful about the notion that what we imagine as death is is like wing and sprinter it's not a single moment and the converse is true I know some of you have gone to hear Dr. Willie Parker he is a doctor who was practicing in Hawaii, uh, OBGYN, and a devout Christian. And his life was changed by reading Martin Luther King and the Good Samaritan story and realized he had not just an obligation to the babies he was birthing, but to the women. They're not just carriers. And he makes the case, part of, part of his case for, he now is in the South, traveling as an itinerant doctor, going from clinic to clinic, providing um, prenatal care and abortions. And he's very upfront about the abortions he does. And has a, has a beautiful book about why he's come to this understanding that performing abortions is not contrary to his religious beliefs or his medical beliefs. And I've gone to hear him a couple of times, and the one piece of information that just went, oh, was when he talked about birth and creation is a continuum. And every religion and science wants to say, no, birth begins here. And he says, well, wait a minute. 
if you define it as conception, just as conception, then you're negating the fact that it takes two living, created cells for conception to happen. And that creation and life is ongoing. It's a bardo. It's an in-between. It's a both-and. It's a wing and a sprinter. Yes, something has changed, obviously. It's not that we don't notice change. It's not that we don't see that there are moments over others. But what Bardo teachings tell us to do is pay very close attention to the in-between, to the moments when change is leaving and change is coming, when something is being left behind. It, it's almost that feeling of having, or at least the big ones, the rug pulled out from underneath you. And who you were, how the world was before is different from how it is now and how you understand things. And we may still get two feet of snow. That winter (laughs) may still come, but it will be different. It will be different than if it were December, and it won't last long, and the ground will be warm, and the plants that are already working their way up, those shafts of green, know how to handle two feet of snow. So you have the rug pulled out from underneath you. Life has changed. I bet you can think of some critical moments in your life where you were just going along and the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. And it's not always bad. I have clear memories of the first time I had intercourse. I won't tell you where or how old I was. (laughs) But it was by choice. It was consensual. Um, What I remember is the next day, going, Lordy Lou, all these people have been doing it too. (laughs) Oh, my. I'm now in on the secret. They didn't ask me to tell that story in Owl. And the same was true when my mother died. I remember this real clear before and after. People in my family had died, but my, you know, your mother. It's your mother. And the house was quiet. That weird sense of quiet that a house has after a death has happened. A presence is missing. And I was sitting at her desk, and I had that same feeling I had when I'd first made love. Like, I've been let in on the secret. We're all going to die. I'm going to die. And I have to keep going. And it's wonderful and terrible. It felt that way. It felt like a secret. So the bardo, already not yet, acknowledges that there are always ruptures in this continuum and that we need to use them to our best advantage. There's a, uh, oh, I don't, yes, I do. There's a, 
a story that says we should look at this glass as if it were already broken, knowing that it contains within it that brokenness. And we should all look at each other knowing that we contain that joy of, of creation and recreation and death and loss, all in one package. That this bardo, this in-between, this wing sprinter is a great teacher. And what does it teach us? Other than change is inevitable. Well, it teaches us to relax, to not wish this away. Because we're wishing away this moment. And it teaches us that always hard to accept notion that, dang it. We are not in control of much. Dang it. You all should be glad I don't have control of the weather because I like winter. (laughs) So I'm that weird, cranky person that's like, wait, flowers, we still need those two feet of snow. And there are teachers who say, when that rug gets pulled out from us, when we see the world in a new way because changes happen, or we're in that liminal space of already but not yet, that we really become our real selves. All the guard gets let down, and that's who we are. And that that's not bad. That's who we are. We can quit pretending that we have control of life. We can give up the ghost, give up the game, and be real. And that's a gift. So may we look for the green shafts beginning to grow in the field, not wanting it to be otherwise. And may we notice how the earth rises up and laughs each time we forget how spring begins with winter, and death begins with birth. May it be so.